Hello, CCF families and guests, wherever you're watching from the world. We have now come to the conclusion of our series on love, and what better way to close it than with a few romantic pickup lines. Here are some 10 romantic lines. Maybe some of you have used it already. Maybe some of you are ashamed to admit you use it, or maybe some of you can still use it. Let's take a look at these lines. The first is this. On a scale of one to 10, you are the only one for me. Oh, okay, man. Okay, man. How about this one? Are you French? Because I fell for you. Nako medyo baka nosebleed, but uh, you know, that's kind of fun too. Number three, even if there wasn't gravity on earth, I'd still fall for you. Number four, Pwede pang seniors. You're like my dentures. I can't smile without you. Ayan. Ano pa? Did it hurt? I think I've used this line on my wife, to be honest. Did it hurt when you fell out of heaven? Ayan. And this is not a theological discussion. Parang angel, di ba? That's the, the whole joke there in case you didn't get it. Number six, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I would put you and I together. Ayan, di ba? Rearrange the alphabet. Number seven, is your name Wi-Fi? Because I'm really feeling a connection. Uh, okay, bayan sa mga singles dyan. Pwede yan, guys. Pwede. Uh, you're like a dictionary. You add meaning to my life. Oh, the, for the more intellectual ones. And number nine, kailangan Filipino. By lahi ka bang keyboard, type ka si kita. Uh, diba? Okay, yan. And this is my favorite. Ready, set, go. Is your nickname Chapstick? Because you're the bomb. Oh, diba? Ayos. I love it. You know, it's, so, it's awesome how we can have some fun. But the reality is, those Pickup lines can give us all sorts of distorted definitions of what love really looks like. And the blessing of this series is we've seen what the Bible says about love and God's definition. And that's what we're going to do. What have we covered? We've looked at the idea of love and what the definition is. Do you still remember the definition? Love is a commitment to an imperfect person for their highest good, which often requires sacrifice that results in God's glory. We also looked at Loving difficult people. We looked at true love forgives, it serves, and endures. Today, if I was to be honest with you, part of the reason why I'm sharing this particular aspect of love is because when I look to the different dimensions of love, I realize there's so much more in me that can be more loving. There's so much more I can improve on. And I think maybe many of us are feeling the same way. One specific area stood out to me as I was looking at all of this. I realized that many of us are not living completely because we are not loving completely. There's something missing in our life because there's something missing in our love. And in my case, I'm a selfish person. That's what makes it hard for me to be loving and to maybe even be lovable to my family, to friends. Now, I'm not super selfish, right? But I have selfish tendencies. I focus on what I want, my needs, what's convenient for me. And it's interesting that as I was bouncing this off with my father-in-law, Pastor Peter, he said the same thing. So for him, he makes sure that he's held accountable to his children. He asks how he can improve and his grandchildren even. For me, I did a little bit of the same. And then I looked at the passages here that we're going to talk about. And I realized that for us to be able to move past whatever blocks we have at becoming more loving the way God has defined, this last message in the series on love might just be it. Because for me, this was it. What is it? When we look at love, we look at the fact that love goes the extra mile. Love entails sacrifice. We're going to look at true love goes extra. And as we unpack that, here's the verse that we're going to focus on. The verse is in 1 John 3, verse 16 to 18. 
And when we look at these passages, I love how it's already structured so that we can just follow verse by verse and see what does it mean when true love goes extra? How do we go extra in the way we love? What is sacrificial love? Let's look at the verses. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. Big words. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Big words. Let's unpack that together by looking at the context. What is the context? Why is John writing this? And the challenge he's facing as he's writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are the rise of what are called Gnostics. These people had a false teaching that was spreading because their belief, Gnostic, from the, word, uh, from the Greek word that means knowledge, they felt like they had a certain knowledge that was beyond Scripture. And it was revealed to only certain people like them, the Gnostics. They believed in what's called dualism. The spirit was good, but the body was evil. And what did that mean in the case of Jesus? This meant that in their teaching, Jesus' body was actually not real. It just seemed real to people. So strange teaching, right? And they said that his spirit actually only came during baptism and then left him before crucifixion. So John unpacks all of these truths and helps correct it as he writes. But more relevant to us, he was concerned that the manner of these people in the way they were doing it, was going viral, speaking of going viral. And he was very concerned. So not only was he speaking to that truth, but here's what he did. He looked at their manner and he called it out because in the manner in which they were doing it, it was very unloving. They were creating division. They were reacting negatively to these teachings and they were pulling people away to go follow what they were doing. So very dangerous situation that he feared would spread. So he now writes this letter and he not only shows him the truth about Jesus and those things around him, but he shows the truth about his love. So we're going to look at three different areas. Verse 16 is all about how true love goes extra, but it's extra costly. Verse 17 is all about how it's extra giving. And verse 18 will be all about how it's extra expressive. True love goes extra. If you're with your family right now, you're watching it together, you can say this to your neighbor and say, go extra. And if you're alone watching this, you can chat it in the box and say, hashtag go extra. That's what we're going to look at. Let's start with the first part. Extra costly. What does it mean when we say true love goes extra and it's extra costly? In verse 16, we see the Bible tell us this. Let's take a look. We know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What is so important as we look at this True love, going extra, being costly, is that it was a choice. Very important highlight. I like what one scholar said about this, in fact. He said, his death was not passive like the thousands of sacrificial animals that had been laid on the altars, not having a choice in the matter. No, Jesus died actively and purposefully. And another part of this passage which really impacts us and which is where you see how important this aspect of love is, is when we see the fact that he not only chose to do this, but what did he choose to do as a sacrifice? He laid down his life. It tells us he laid down his life and we ought to lay down our lives as well. When we look at the phrases laid down and laid down, it's similar. And in the Greek, the word is tithemi. 
And that word tithemi has the picture of something like this. Let me show you. What is tithemi? It is laying down, right? So laying down. But what does that exactly mean? In its context, it's like in battle. So here's my modern day sword. I hope you'll excuse this weapon that I am using. Uh, it is legit. I'm able to bring this in here. Um, in a battle, you would have your weapons, your fighting, shields, etc. The picture of tithemi or laying down is, is you being able to say, okay, I will give up. I will seize. I will lay down literally even this weapon. I'm going to lay it down lower so I don't become a sacrifice myself. Okay, here we go. So laying down has this picture of being able to say, I will give up. In the case of Jesus, he gave up his life. Tithemi. That's the picture here. So when we look at this passage, extra costly means that if we are to love this way, if we are to love anyone, it will cost us something. And that is a truth we need to be able to embrace, which is why throughout this series, when we talk about all these romantic loves, the things that you will get, the things that you will gain, sure, that can be part of it. But the reality is, even in the definition we're using, often requires sacrifice. That is the truth. There will be something that you have to give up in order for you to love like Jesus is demonstrating for us here. So let's make this practical. What does it look like to give up something because we love in this manner? What does it mean to go extra in this way? Part of the stories I want to give would be the obvious ones. If we were to ask ourselves, who are people that we can think of top of mind that have given up something because they love others? as we're seeing in the Bible right now. Top of mind, I think about moms, and I know that it's not yet Mother's Day, but happy Mother's Day in advance. Maybe some people are watching this already in May, so happy Mother's Day as well. The reason I'm saying this is I'm married to a wonderful mother of our six children. I have a wonderful mother, and I have a wonderful mother-in-law, and I look at the many mothers also in our small group, our discipleship family, we call them DFAM, and the many mothers around, and instinctively, mothers will give up something. They will sacrifice. They will go extra. They realize it costs something to be able to love their child, their newborn, right? So you see a mom giving up their time, sleepless nights, you know, even their energy and for the most part, even their health goals because they have to set all that aside as they now take care of this baby and, and put in the energy, effort, blood, sweat, and tears. They're giving up something. That is going extra. That is the cost in that case. And it's not just true for young kids. I remember my mom, and if my mom is watching this, this is for you, mom. I remember even as an adult in college where there would be days I would have migraines. And during these migraines, I had to transcribe a paper that I had written down. I had to type it because back then as computers were evolving, we had to submit this via computer. So as I was writing it down because of the lights, I had a migraine and my mom would stay up with me until 2 or 3 a.m. And she would be my reliever. She finished some of these papers, which probably made the papers better. But I think about those moments where she gave up something, her time, her energy. She had many other things. I'm sure she had to take care of my other siblings, my dad, the, the various things she's involved in. But she did that for me because she loved me. Thank you to all the mothers all over the world who are watching this. We love you and we appreciate you. What other examples do we see, especially at a time like this, where the world is battling the pandemic and continues to do so? The frontliners, they have given up so much for us as well. Some frontliners are even dear family members of many folks who are watching this right now. Some have literally given up their lives to be able to help others 
live theirs. So to all the frontliners, wherever you're watching, all over the world, again, saludo po. We thank you. God bless you. Thank you for going extra and loving us like we are learning today. We also want to look back. And you know, when we think about giving up, the reality is even this faith we have, this privilege to know about Jesus and see Him change our lives has been at the cost of the lives of many other Christians through the centuries. So to them also, we thank God for what they've chosen to do, to give up, to stand firm in their faith so that they might pass on God's words and we're now privileged to be able to see it because of that as well. And there are some brothers and sisters of ours throughout the world who are literally still doing that right now. They're giving up so much for their faith because they want to stay true. So to you, wherever you're watching, if you catch this, carry on. We are rallying behind you. We are praying for you and we will support however we can. Let's bring it home to the families, even closer. There are people who we've ministered to, people whom we love, couples we've journeyed with. And as we've looked at their lives as a man, I get deeply impacted when I see men also sacrificing for their wives. You know, oftentimes in our culture, it's the wife who sacrifices because the husband is pasaway, if you understand what that means, or does all sorts of things. And we have many testimonies of women who've really put up with their husbands in this way. But when I see the other situation, a husband sacrificing, giving up because they love their spouse. I love this verse that reminds us of that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this verse speaks about this giving up is being able to lay down also for our spouses. I've seen cases where the wife is battling with mental, mental health issues, going to deep despair and depression, and this husband will stick by her because he loves her. And he knew this even before marrying her. And when I asked him point blank, are you willing to still marry this person knowing that? And even when the family honestly asked this, he said, yes, because God has called me to love this woman. And it has been confirmed. So even if I know that this is something I will have to deal with in the marriage, I am prepared to sacrifice. He had to give up the convenience, give up the peace of mind, even if you will. So all of the stress surrounding a spouse who's like that, he had to pick up the slack at some times, you know, um, this family had to homeschool, so he had to do it sometimes, even if he had a full-time job and business he was running. He had to be by her side and kind of work with her through these situations. So when I see these things, I get deeply impacted and I'm reminded of this once again. Love goes extra. It is costly. It costs people something. I want to flip the situation a little bit and let's look at giving up from the standpoint of a single person. I want you to watch this testimony right now and hear from our dear sister Joanne as she shares about going extra, sacrificing and loving her parents. In her case, mom, watch this testimony as we see what God did in her life. Good day. I am John Lee Toazon. I have been with CCF since high school. I am the youngest in the family. I have two siblings, my sister Reja and my brother Rex. My dad died in 2003 due to a motorcycle accident. My mom got widowed early, but by God's grace was able to single-handedly raise us, and now we are all working professionals. March of last year, when the government announced the community quarantine, we all started from working from home. It was also that time when my mom decided to look for a contractor to do some house repairs. During the house renovation, my mom needed to go out to buy several construction materials. After a week or so, she started to feel dizzy and suddenly lost her sense of smell and taste. She began to feel weak and her oxygen level began to go down. 
We got her tested and the result was positive. When I heard the news, I was sudden and surprised. I prayed to God and asked Him to heal my mom. I even told Him, Lord, my mom is my last chance. I'm not ready to be an orphan this year, Lord. Pandemic pa, Lord. Not this time and not over this disease. Please heal her. God comforted me through Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As much as possible, we want to take care of our mom at home since we fear that once she is admitted in a COVID-19 facility, she will be alone. We will, we will have difficulty contacting her and she might experience depression. But after just four days of doing home care, my mom's condition worsened. It was the peak of COVID-19 cases and hospitals were full at that time. We didn't know what to do. But God, through our family friend doctor, helped us to secure a room at a good private hospital. My mom was immediately admitted. She got tagged as severe pneumonia COVID-19 positive patient. She was very high risk. She, since she is a senior citizen who had previous heart complications, she's also overweight and diabetic. But it was, it was also that time that I already have peace from the Lord that whatever will happen to my mom, healed or not, he is in full control. Just like in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. At that point, I focused my effort on loving and caring for my mom. During that month, the hospital recently changed their policy and decided to approve one companion per senior citizen COVID-19 positive patient. Amidst the risk of getting the virus firsthand, I immediately volunteered and signed the waiver. I was able to accompany my mom inside her room. I wore my complete PPE even while sleeping, and I was not allowed to go out the room. I took a leave from my work and stayed with my mom. I made sure she is comfortable amidst her condition. I assisted her on her daily needs, monitored her oxygen level, medicine schedule, bathroom, and meal times. I also supported and prayed for her. I also ensured that we attend CCF prayer meetings both in Maine and in Eastwood and attended Sunday services. Having COVID in the Philippines does not come cheap, especially in a private hospital. We are not well off. Hospital bill is also became a concern of the family. We even discussed how to chip in for the cost. But God comforted us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God is all-knowing and is full, in full control of the situation. And He really is. Even before my mom's admission, our company HR told me outright that they will shoulder all expense beyond our health cards. Prior to checkout, our total bill is 700000 But when it was my turn to settle our bill, I only paid 3000 pesos. 400,000 was shouldered by PhilHealth and 100,000 was senior citizen discount. And since my mom is the dependent of me and my brother, both of our health cards were used to cover the rest of the balance. So praise God. As I cared for my mom in this way, God also sur surrounded us with genuine friends, discipleship groups, and a very loving church, CCF Eastwood, who prayed with us and for us. So after 12 days in the hospital, my mom recovered from the virus and was completely healed. And as for me, even after being with my mom and with the direct exposure to the virus, I tested negative. 
So praise God once again. Indeed, we have a sovereign and loving God. It is amazing how He strengthened and protected me as I chose to love and care for my mom in this way. How He also healed my mom and took care of all our concerns. How we also were able to use this story to encourage our family, friends, relatives, that God is good, faithful, and true. This was a very difficult experience, but in the grand scheme of things, it is still a blessing to go through it as a family. To find ways to still show love and experience God's grace, mercy, and love. To God be all the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you very much. Did you like that story? Thank you, Joanne, for being honest and willing to share that and how we see going extra, being able to love in ways where it costs us something. We talked about husbands to the wives, but we also see singles being able to do it for their families so everybody can actually go extra and love in this way. So thank you again, Joanne. Some of us, what we need to give up is not so much the time and the energy and maybe the attention to be able to take care of somebody we love, whether it's a family member or a spouse, as I shared. But sometimes giving up could actually be the person. What do I mean? There are some relationships that might not be pleasing to God, like my own. When I was courting my wife, Joy, if I was to be very honest with you, and some of you maybe heard this already, I was a new Christian and, you know, I won't give excuses, but we were doing things that were not pleasing to God. We did not have sex, but everything around that was happening. You know, and as we were doing these things, because I was growing in my own faith and because Joy was a Christian, we realized that, you know what? This actions that we're doing is not pleasing to Him. And because we love God and because we say we love each other, the wise thing to do would be to give up the relationship and see what God would do as we broke up. We realized that being together was creating all of those opportunities. So the wisest thing at that time was for us to break up. And I'll be honest with you, as a man, it's very hard for me to admit this, but it was hard. It was painful. You know, even as a corporate guy, I'd be dressed up in my suits like this, going to client calls, and then I would go to the CR and I would cry. It was hard for me to be able to give up that relationship. And I tried to even win her back after a few weeks, you know, maybe we can change. We'll just try and do it right. But God blessed my wife. She said, you know what, honey? Edric, back then, she didn't call me honey. She said, let's go the distance because we really want to honor God with this decision. I did not want to hear those words, but I needed those words. So we stuck by it and we broke up for a period of six months. And you know what? Our motivation was to say, Lord, we want to go extra. We want to love you. And if we indeed love the other person because we were not doing something honoring to you, God, we would give up the relationship and trust you to be done to work. So we did that. Six months, we didn't know if we were going to be together or not, to be honest, because we cut ties. We just said, let's let God work. And something amazing happened in that period. And let me just condense it right now. God convicted in my heart to be able to do something. He said, Edric, if you're praying about where you're going in a relationship, you need to be able to close this chapter by letting her parents and your parents know what was really going on because you claim to be a Christian, but you were doing these things and that's why you broke up, right? So I said, okay, God, and I contacted girlfriend Joy. We set a meeting with her parents and before that, I had told my parents. So my parents said, thank you for sharing this, Edric. You know, uh, we're praying for you. We're supporting you. We love you, which is great. It was a lot easier and then we had to go to my wife Joy's parents. So we sat down with them. Remember, we had been broken up and we are sitting in front of her parents then. I'm like, hi, Tito. Hi, Tita. How are you doing? You know, a couple of chit-chat because they knew we were broken up. 
And then we, we, we said it. I wanted to have this meeting with you because part of what God has been speaking to me and to us is to tell you what really happens and how we struggle with immorality. We didn't have sex, but we did these things. Now, I want you to put yourself in my shoes. My mother-in-law now and my father-in-law now, they were smiling at me at first and when they heard this, their face changed. You can imagine, very different reactions. My mother-in-law, of course, started to tear. And as they were asking us details, so they would understand, you know, what went on and to help counsel us through it, my mom, God bless her heart, my mom-in-law now, she said, even if you never end up with our daughter, Joy, we have always loved you like a son. That really spoke to me and was really touching for me to hear that. Now, my father-in-law now, of course, his reaction was different. He's like, what marriage? We're not talking about marriage right now. And as he, he, he asked and unpacked, of course, we closed it well. They said, you know, thank you for sharing this to us. Um, we will pray with you and for you. And we, we trust that what you are doing will really honor God. And we parted ways. Now, because I'm standing in front of you here saying, mother and father-in-law, you know that the rest is history. As we did that, we did not communicate. And God allowed it that in those times of breaking up, even as other men pursued my wife, Joy. And I tried, but I didn't really pursue anyone else. God spoke to me, spoke to Joy respectively. We ended up back together. That's not the story for all of us, but I'm sharing this because there might be some people who are watching this right now. Maybe you're single or maybe you're actually in a relationship, you're married, and you know it's not pleasing to God. I'm talking about if you're in a relationship with a married person. It's an adulterous relationship and you know it, but you're testing or you're pushing and you're a believer and we've dealt with cases like this or you're about to get into that situation. This is from God's heart to you. Cut it. You need to give that up because that is not pleasing to God. So what are we learning? We need to be able to ask ourselves in going extra, what are the things I might need to be able to give up? What are the things I might have to give up because I want to go extra? I want to honor God and love in this way we are learning right now. As we looked at this verse, verse 16, chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it reminds us again, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. It is so important as we wrap up this first point that we look at the fact that, you know, people might sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. They might say, okay, well, if true love goes extra and it means it costs me something, then I love what one scholar said. If you had somebody sitting one day on a nice pier and then somebody runs off and says, I love you and to prove my love for you, I will jump off the pier and give my life for you. So that person jumps off, dies, and you're looking at them and you're thinking, what in the world? That sacrifice for me, did not connect. I didn't need that. That didn't do anything for my life. Instead, if I was drowning in that same pier, I couldn't make it to the actual dock and save myself. And then this person says, I love you and I will jump into the water and give my life for you as I rescue you. That, friends, is true love. And that's the importance of what Jesus did for us. You see, Jesus didn't just die for the sake of dying. And that's not where the power lies. The power lies in what he did it for. And that's why we can see that it is love. He did it because it was for us. He did it because it was our greatest need. He died to save us from the consequences of our sins. And that's what makes it so powerful. So when we look at true love, going extra, 
true love being extra costly. It is not so much the gesture, but it is what the gesture is for. And in this case, it was because He loved you and me and we needed saving from the sins that we've committed. And that was the way to help us get out of it. Isn't that so wonderful? And that's why the Bible tells us there's no greater love than this. This is the standard of Christian love. To be able to say, not only will I lay down or give up something, I will do it for your sake because I love you. And I will talk about that a little more when we wind down with point number three later. The power of the motivation behind the love and not just the act itself. And that's why if we look at Charles Spurgeon, I love what he says. He says, Ah, Lord Jesus, I never knew thy love till I understood the meaning of thy death. When we fully understand why he did it for us and what it was for, that's what makes the death and the laying down and the giving up powerful. No greater love really than that. So here's the question for us as we wrap up the first point. What do you need to give up? What is it that you feel like God is saying, you need to lay this down for this person because you need to show them that you love them in this way? What is it that God's asking you to give up because you want to show Him that you love Him? Ask yourselves that question as we go through this first part of true love goes extra. What is it for you? So true love goes extra. We've looked at extra costly, and we're now going to look at extra giving. What does that mean? If we carry on with the passage, we'll see in 1 John 3, verse 17 now. So we looked at the first part. Let's look at verse 17. Verse 17 tells us, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? John continues to unpack this idea of love, the distinctiveness of Christian love. He not only says it is costly, look at what Jesus did, and he's asking us to do the same. That's what God instructs of us, to lay down, to give up something. He now says, with that backdrop, in the area of actual things, in the area of money, goods, are we able to use even that to show that we are loving? By default, if we're to be honest, we are takers. The world has wired us to be takers get pa more versus give pa more. That's our wiring. We push ourselves, we hustle to be able to take things. So I found it so powerful and so timely that amidst this verses of true love going extra, it now talks about giving in the area of things. In this particular passage, when we look at it, I highlighted two things. First, the word sees, because we realize that for us to go extra, to become extra giving, we need to proactively look for opportunities. How can we give? Who can we give to? But we will also look at the second part of this verse or this set of verses that says, closes his heart. Because the reality is we don't give for the sake of giving. We give looking at our heart condition as we do so. That's what makes this verse so impactful, even to me. It reminds us that when we look at extra giving, we have to ask ourselves, who are we supposed to give to? The Bible tells us, Luke 6, verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. So everybody, we want to look to give and look around us. What are the opportunities for us to give? Maybe even to CCF, there's so many opportunities for us to give in the various things that the church family is doing all over the world. What are these opportunities? 
Extra giving entails not only looking around, but being intentional about this. For example, we know of a couple who literally, in their budgets, they actually put aside a giving fund. A certain percentage of what they make, and this is not tithing, this is over and above what they give back to their local church, right, of CCF family, but they ask themselves proactively, who is it, God, that you want to send our way, that you want us to give to? I thought that that was a very wonderful reminder, even for us, and we've tried to apply that even in our own family. So that could be a practical way. Look around and have something ready to be able to give to people. Now, some people might say, well, Edric, you don't know my situation. And the reality is I don't, but God does. And since this is a instruction from God, going extra involves giving also in this way. I remember the story of a missionary who spoke to us about her experience in one of the poorest regions in the world. And when she was in this poorest region, if I remember the facts straight, she said something like, this tribe in this poorest region in the world had one chicken to eat for the whole week for their whole tribe. So as she was finishing her missionary journey and she was leaving, the chief gave her a chicken. And as the chief gave her the chicken, she looked at the chief and said, I, I cannot take this chicken because I know what this means to your whole tribe. And the chief looked at her, composed himself, presented it and said, Madam, may I remind you that no one is too poor to give nor too rich to receive. And that blessed my heart. And I've used that even as I've encouraged people to look at giving because you might think there's really nothing for us to give when the reality is no one is too poor to give nor too rich to receive. So look around for opportunities to be able to give. And I love what Randy Alcorn says about this. He says, a disciple, someone who follows Jesus, does not ask, how much can I keep? Although we want to cover, obviously, practical needs, instead we focus on how much more can I give? Whenever we start to get comfortable with our level of giving, he says, it's time to raise it again. You know what impacts me about this statement and this teaching about extra, extra giving, is we need to be able to focus more not on our standard of living, but our standard of giving. Do we do that? As Christians, it deeply convicts me that we need to be able to look outside and see what God can do, even through material things, especially at a time like this. I love how the Bible reaffirms this. The, the, the verses in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, verse 7 tells us, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. On the one hand, extra giving means being proactive and looking around for opportunities and maybe building practical systems in place. But it also means looking at our heart condition. Some people might give because they feel good about themselves in being able to give. They appease their consciences. But what we're seeing here is we need to be able to give in the intention of really being able to bless them and look at our heart condition. Let me carry on. I love how the Bible also tells us God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. It's an instruction for all. All of us are to give. All of us are to give with this right heart. And it tells us you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. It's wonderful how God says, I will take care of you so that you might be able to carry out this instruction of mine. Be extra giving and you watch me. This has been one of the most powerful money principles I have learned in my life. That to be able to see God work in us and to see God's love in action also, we need to give. 
open up our hands and you see what God starts filling in as we do that. There's a story of this guy and I called it as I asked myself, you know, who are givers? I did some research and I found the top five givers in the world. Let's see if you guys can guess the top five givers in the world. Number one is Bill Gates. We might know all, uh, all about Bill Gates and you know his story, his net worth and his lifetime donation based on this particular data set. What I found interesting is the index. What is the index? How much of their net worth did they actually give away so far? So watch the indices. For Bill Gates, 32%. For Warren Buffett, another giver, it's about 35%. For George Soros, another giver, about 33%. So this is the sequence in which the article was written, top three givers. The number four guy is an Indian gentleman with a, a large empire as well. He's at about 50% index, pretty large. But then this guy shocked me, Charles Francis Feeney. Do any of you know who this guy is? His net worth has dwindled down to 1.5 million, I put that out there, dollars only because his lifetime donations have been up to 6.3 billion his index is staggeringly high. Why am I sharing this? This guy, Charles Feeney, is known as the James Bond of philanthropy. He's the guy behind duty-free stores, the business empire that is now across the whole world, duty-free. And what impacted me is how he remained low profile through all of this. He remains low profile up to today. And here's a write-up that Forbes gave about him. While the business world's titans obsess over piling up as many riches as possible, Feeney is working double time to die broke. What Feeney does is give big money to big problems, whether bringing peace to Northern Ireland, modernizing Vietnam's healthcare system, or ceding $350 million to turn New York's long-neglected Roosevelt Island into a technology hub. He's not waiting to grant gifts after he's gone, nor to set up a legacy fund that annually tosses pennies at a $10 problem. He hunts for causes where he can have dramatic impact and goes all in. Chuck Feeney is a remarkable role model, Bill Gates tells Forbes, and the ultimate example of giving while living. Up to this day, based on the article, he lives a simple life, he flies economy, he has one car, he uses plastic bags to carry his stuff. Talk about give pa more. And I share his story because as a Christian, he puts me to shame. I do not know about his religious background. There's no indication of his religious beliefs. So I do not think he's a believer. I don't think he's a Christian. But because Christ commands us to be able to go extra and be extra giving, I want to challenge all of us Christians. We don't have to give billions away because that's not what maybe God has given us, although there's some that he might have given it. I want to challenge us to ask the same index question. Are we focused more on giving than in taking? So that at some point, this same index is true. We've given away more for the great causes of the Lord. Eternal giving versus the things that might have been just selfish gain. It's a hard question. And we, I pray that however God speaks that to each one of us, we will respond. Extra giving. That's what we're looking at. I love how Martin Luther summarized this whole thing. He said, I have held many things in my hand. This is my life story. And I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. True love goes extra. Go extra, guys. Not only is it extra costly, it's extra giving. Here's a question as we wrap up extra giving. How is your heart conditioned towards giving? What are the needs that we might be able to look for to be able to give? 
whatever resources God has allowed because there are so many needs and there are so many ways to be able to give and obey this instruction of God. Extra giving. Let's wrap up. The final point as we look at the verses is extra expressive. What does that mean? Following what we've seen so far, this should be self-explanatory. It will lend itself very neatly. 1 John 3, 16 to 18, we've looked at 16, 17, verse 18 now tells us extra expressive. Little children, see that wonderful fatherly tone of John? Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. If we want to show the distinctiveness of Christian love, especially as his context, all of the people around, you know, these Gnostics and people who claim to have a lot of knowledge, let's show them what real love looks like. Let's not just speak it or say things or have wonderful things to say, but really do it. Love, not just with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Let's unpack that as we wind down our time and look at true love goes extra. It is extra expressive. It must go beyond words. I love what Warren Wearsby says. He said, Christian love involves sacrifice and service. Christ did not simply talk about his love. He didn't say, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to do it. Watch me, watch me, watch me. He died to prove it. It is so important for us to remember that oftentimes, arguably maybe every single time, our love must translate into action. It must be seen. It must be felt. Luke 6, 27 to 28 reminds me of one way that this translates. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And I know we've covered this a little bit in our past messages, but one recent encounter we had from a gentleman whom we dearly respect said, it's okay for me to share this story. You know, he had an enemy and we look at actions, right? Here's what he did. He had a, uh, a property which had a school in it. And in this school, his desire was for it to be altruistic, to be a good Christian education facility. And unfortunately, it was a school that was surrounded by other properties. And one particular property was a neighbor who was getting very upset with the sounds of the children and all these things. And so he would get violent. He would throw things over. He would yell. He would kind of terrorize the children and the parents would write and get so concerned. It created a lot of stress for this particular gentleman. But as he went through it, what are we looking at? True love goes extra. It is extra expressive. It is not just words. It is seen in action and deed. So he realized, I need to love this enemy. And you know what he did? He prayed for him. The Bible tells us, pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you. Do good. So he prayed for this guy. He blessed him. You know what he did? He found a way through even the discussions they would have where this guy would be very upset. He wanted an audience with him. He would pray for him. He would bless him. And in the course of his interaction with this very irate neighbor, this man was able to share the gospel message about how Jesus loves him. And shock of all shocks, that man accepted. And he started to tear. This man ended up becoming paralyzed at some point. His health degenerated. But he started to change. There was no more of the tension between them and that neighbor. He was no longer creating issues. And they became really good friends. And as he, part, he passed away, this um, really dear family friend of ours who was sharing the story about himself encouraged us because he said that even as he did that, it was really only by God's grace that he was able to do what he did because inside him, he didn't want to do all these things, obviously, but he did it because he loved God. And as he did, that was the result. This man came to know Christ 
became good friends. That's what it means. Love is in actions, not so much in words. And I was blessed to see what he did in this case. So as we're wrapping this up and looking at this, it's so important to focus on the words that are highlighted here. We love in deed and truth. As you heard previously, I said in the first point, we're going to get back to this because Jesus didn't just die. He died for us. Sacrifice without the actual need can actually be misguided. We can sacrifice, sacrificially love for the sake of it. We can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. So the Bible tells us we must be able to sacrificially love according to God's word. That's why the word truth is there. And that's why when we look at examples like the gentleman I mentioned earlier, when we look at God's words and the truth, the ultimate truth that we want to highlight in the way we love sacrificially is exactly what Jesus did. The world's greatest need is salvation from sins. And our main focus, even as we share that message, is to bring glory to God. Jesus' act of sacrifice, because He loved us, did those two things. He helped make sure He could save us from our sins and bring glory to His Father. That was His purpose. That's what makes that the ultimate standard of love and which is what we're going to look at now. When we love sacrificially, when we do it in an extra expressive manner through actions, the heart and the motivation we should have would be those same things. How can I love this person so that they might come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus and accept that same salvation? How can I love them so that we can bring glory to God in the relationship I have or in the gesture that I'm having with them? That's why that story earlier was such a blessing. He loved this man sacrificially, even as an enemy, so that he might come to know Jesus, which he did, and bring glory to God. Closer to home, we had a son who had many questions about theology, about God, about religion, and he had some very hard questions like, you know, if God is a loving God, then why would he create people who would end up going to hell? Those are hard questions. And as we battled privately amongst ourselves, thinking about how do we help respond to this particular son of ours, God gave us wisdom. We walked alongside him and it started to fade. He no longer asked those things and he started to serve. He was um, doing small groups with the children of our Bible study, you know, the same DFAM that we had. He was leading them and he was looking at God's word and teaching it. And we were surprised as we looked back at how he changed from this very skeptical, loaded question man who didn't seem to um, have hard convictions yet to a guy who was now teaching. And so we asked him recently, what happened? Do you still remember all those questions? How come you changed? And you know, we were surprised. We thought he would say things like, well, you reasoned so well. The arguments presented were so solid and logical that it changed my mind. But instead, if I remember correctly, he spoke from his heart and he said, because of the way you loved me. I'm getting emotional as I share this because I realized that maybe that was the heart of John in speaking to these people and maybe in, in helping address the issues around us. There's nothing like being able to show it in action. And as we love in an expressive way based on the Bible, that truth becomes clearer. Not so much because of the truth itself but because of the way we are loving. So that's what this looks like. That's what this means. As we talk about this third area of going extra. True love is extra expressive. That's what it looks like. Here's the final question for us to go through. What areas of my life do I need to talk less and do more to show love? Are there people around us 
who maybe we are also trying to reason with when really what we need to do is just show them through our actions that we are still patient, that we still want to hear them, that we still care about them. That might just be the way to finally achieve them fully embracing and loving God and giving their life to Him, experiencing salvation and His love, and also making that situation something that can bring glory to Him. So, what have we looked at? True love goes extra. Go extra. Tell your family member again if you're with them or the person around them or again, chat that in the box and say, go extra. True love goes extra. We looked at how it is extra costly. It is extra giving. It's extra expressive. And now I want to wrap up with the question, why? Why should we love in this way? Why should my love go extra? You know, as I pondered on this question, I realized Jesus loved us extra. It was extra costly. It cost him his whole life. Jesus loved us extra giving. He gave us eternal life. Jesus loved us extra expressive. He didn't just talk it, but he actually died for us with his death on the cross. Why did he do it? Why did Jesus do that for us? I love how Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, and this was his motivation, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Why should we go extra? It is because of the joy that is set before us. Some of you might be going through some very difficult things and your sacrifice is really costing you something and you're doing it with all the right reasons we're looking at. But you're struggling and it's difficult. Let me encourage you to help do the same thing. Jesus, in his moment of deep distress and stress about to go on the cross, this is why he did it for us, the joy set before him. So what are we learning? What are we reminding ourselves of? The main message as we close the series is true love goes extra. Love entails sacrifice. There's a story that I hope helps us appreciate sacrifice a little bit more that impacted me. I encountered this guy named Steve Scheibner. Steve Scheibner, he wrote a book, In My Seat, and there's a YouTube video which actually went viral that spawned this book. And the whole story gives me fresh eyes into what Jesus did for us. You see, this whole message is hinged on his sacrifice. But maybe some of us, even after everything we've talked about, have not appreciated what the sacrifice really means. What does it look like for you and me? Steve Scheibner, to cut the story short, is a story of a man who was a pilot. He was a pilot who was supposed to fly on American Airlines Flight 11. For those who do not know, American Airlines Flight 11 was the flight from Boston to Los Angeles on September 11th. And it was the first plane that crashed into the towers. The reason that his story impacted many lives, including mine, is when he said that he was supposed to have been the pilot scheduled for that flight. He logged into the computer, his name was there, the airlines was now gonna call him for confirmation on September 10th. Log in, ready to go, packed his bag, said goodbye to his family, was waiting for the call, but he never received the call. The next day, life goes on, September 11 happens. People are calling him saying, were you on that flight? And he's like, no, thank God. And then he went back to the log, not connecting the dots yet, until he finally realized that the flight that first crashed into the tower was where his name was, the call he did not get. And instead, another gentleman who was a Christian died 
in his place. Because this guy was a senior officer, he overrode his schedule and instead was the one that ended up in the plane. And what Steve Scheibner said really impacted me and blessed me. He said, it should have been me who was on that plane. I should have been to die. That was my flight. But instead, someone died in his place. And with that thought, when it finally sank in that it was his flight, this sense of gratefulness and gratitude for the fact that he was still alive rekindled his own faith journey. You see, Steve Seibner is a Christian. He was actually a senior pastor of his local church even while being a pilot. And he said that that experience made him realize that he was a believer on borrowed time. And he needed to live his life with that same sense of love and gratitude because of the sacrifice that this man inadvertently did for him. And he made it even hit home further. The reason I'm sharing this story is he said, someone died in my place twice. But the first one is obviously the eternal one. You see, Jesus chose to be in his seat. It should have been him. It should have been me. And this is what really speaks to my heart. When I think about what he did, the sacrifice is in a very similar way. It should have been me that died for my sins. I deserved it. But Jesus did it in my place. And because of that, there's this eternal gratefulness and this outpouring of love that I feel and I've experienced that I now want to pass on to others because of that sacrifice. That's what this means. And that's how we're going to close. As we look at true love going extra, and now this reframing of the sacrifice. Let's close in prayer that we who have experienced this and have received this, that we do not deserve this love that Jesus gives us, that we would indeed love like Jesus loves with all the things we've learned about this love and this exclamation point of going extra, making sure that we realize that it's extra costly and embracing that, realize that it's extra giving and embracing that, and realizing that it's extra expressive and doing just that. That will be our first prayer. And the second prayer will be for those friends or people watching this, wherever you are, and you're saying, you know what? That's right. That should have been me. Maybe that's why you're looking for meaning and purpose in all the wrong places. You're looking for love in all the wrong places and you're not able to connect the dots. Maybe what you need to do is experience Jesus' sacrificial love for you first and let that change you. Let that eternal gratitude and gratefulness and love that wells out be what propels you forward. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that even if we are unworthy, you loved us sacrificially. Lord, you did it in a way that was extra costly, is extra giving, extra expressive. And that is our prayer now. Our first prayer is that we would do the same, that we would love in a way that goes extra, that we would love people in ways where we're able to give up something. We love people even in the area of finances and money where we're able to give. And we love in ways where we don't just say it, but we do it, even in difficult situations because it's what your word tells us to do. We pray we are found faithful in that way and that we are completely changed. We pray a second prayer now also, Father God, for those of our friends, our guests, people who happen to chance upon this video that you have a purpose for. We pray that you would hear their prayer right now as they pray something like this. So you can pray this from your heart, something like this. Dear God, there is no accident 
that I came upon this video and this message and I need to hear that because my life is a mess. I'm looking for something. My life is not complete. My love is not complete. And I've learned that the secret is to be able to love like you. But for me to do that, I need to receive your love. Thank you for your sacrificial love for me. I receive that now completely with my arms open wide. I receive what your son Jesus did for me on the cross that paid for all my sins. And as I receive this in faith, I now surrender my life to you, God, so that you might show me how I can continue my life in this grateful state, that I might show this same love that I am not worthy of receiving to as many people as you would lead me, Lord God. This is my prayer. Would you hear this prayer as I move forward from this point? Thank you for what he has done. We love you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Lord, for being able to help us realize what this love is. I pray we're able to go and love extra. And so, hey, guys, if you were blessed by this message and God really spoke to you, you want to engage us or you have questions, please click on the link below. We'd love, speaking of love, to be able to engage you and get to know you more. So please click away, guys. And as a teaser to what's coming next, I talked about how, you know, many of us are not living completely because we're not loving completely. And we've talked about love. So now it's time to talk about living. How can we have a fulfilling life? Oh, we're going to unpack that in the next series. I'm personally excited. So stay tuned for next week. In the meantime, stay tuned as we look at some of the discussion questions we have for you guys now.